0: Well, we have uh Andrew Zimmer now on the uh on the line. Maybe we should ask him Andrew, did you happen to see the uh McDonald's food thing that was going around about people eating a bunch of double quarter pounders and fries and pounding sodas? I don't think that people can actually do it, but Rami says he could
1: to be to be clear, Andrew, it was three double quarter pounders, one quarter pounder, two ten piece chicken nuggets, two large fries, and four large Cokes. Does that sound That's possible just too much does that sound possible in ninety minutes to you
2: um it's Possible, um, I think it's pretty reprehensible. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, you know, the, there, is, there is a lot of fun to be had with food, and we shouldn't take each other so seriously that we can't have fun, right?
1: Right. That doesn't one sound fun things, to me.
2: Well, one of the things that's happened in the last four or five years is that I have found – uh, those things to increasingly become less funny and to the point now where I absolutely think of them as as unfunny um, you know even the, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest I mean you know we've we've we, there's so much social injustice when it comes to food in America we have two food Americas eating well in this country is has become a class privilege and with 21 to 24 percent of our country food insecure, um, while I don't want to take away anyone's individual right to overeat, there is something about corporate promotion, about that kind of stuff, and a way in which we might want to look at ourselves when we're, when we're talking about food that way. Because food is something that's necessary for us to survive, right? We have to eat it, but it's also the ultimate... Cultural totem. It's it's more. I I have this argument with all of my musician friends. Music is fantastic, but if you take it away from someone, the worst that's going to happen is that you're going to get a punch in the face. But if you take away food from people, take away rice and bread, that's the stuff revolutions are made of. That's the stuff that makes the blood run in the streets historically. So I would I've, I've increasingly found it unacceptable. To, to see those kinds of things out there or promote this. I mean, I just, I, I see stuff with pizza, you know, how much pizza can someone eat in five minutes? And then a lot of people are going stir crazy and, you know, on quarantine right now and doing a lot of food stuff online. And with, with so many in our country, so hungry, I go, oh, it, it, It's something I just can't
1: abide. Talking with chef writer, TV host, and Minnesotan Andrew Zimmern here on Score North Live. And by the way, speaking of eating good, if you want to eat good, Andrew right now on his Facebook page is putting out his top 25 recipes. And today you're putting out meatloaf and New Orleans style barbecue shrimp recipes. I consider myself a pretty good amateur, Chef Andrew, nowhere near on the level of you. I want to try and make this meatloaf recipe, but in these times that we're in, trying to make as few trips to the grocery store as possible, all I have in my free right now is ground turkey and ground beef. I know that's not traditionally what we would use to make meatloaf, and your grandma wouldn't use that. Is that an okay substitution in these times, Andrew?
2: I think it's more than okay, even when we're not in these times. I, I, I always caution when it comes to recipes, no one should skip making a dish because they're missing one ingredient or they're substituting something. Um, first of all, you may find you may find that those ingredients improve the recipe, you may find that it's more to your taste. You may find it's more to your family's taste. You may find that it a whole variety of learning can come, whether it comes out perfectly or whether even better, if you find some ways to improve it. I learn more myself personally if I'm making mistakes in the kitchen. I make mistakes all the time, and I'm like, oh, I should do this a little better next time. Um, that's how we learn, uh, and... So whether it's, you know, in the days of self-quarantine or not, uh, we should be using what's in our fridge. We shouldn't be going to the grocery store as often. One of the things that's increased uh, waste in this country to the point where we are throwing away 40% of our food, albeit the majority of which is, is pre-retail, right, before it hits the consumer's hands. One of the biggest contributors to food waste in America is these giant-sized refrigerators that we have. And our super sped up lifestyle, the two of those intersect around one idea, which is, hey, honey, we got this really big fridge and freezer. We only have to shop, you know, on Sunday for the whole week. You know, maybe someone has to stop by on the way home towards the end of the week for eggs or milk. But basically, we can get it all done at the beginning of the week and we put it into our fridge. And then someone, you know, brings pizza over or you get invited out to dinner, and the next thing you know, 20% of your purchases are going into the garbage. So I encourage people to not stuff their refrigerators. I encourage people to go in the freezers and use up everything, especially right now. Um, leave food on the shelves for people that are more desperate than you are. Uh, our food supply chain uh while that is the next area of concern that i'm looking at after we get our medical and health uh, uh teams uh grounded and safe as they begin to treat people in the age of uh covid-19 uh we are turning our attention to the supply chain and protecting that today we're okay food and and food is arriving in supermarkets and we should just take one step off the the accelerator on the car and, you know, shop just a little bit less. Um, and please avoid items that are labeled WIC or WIC in the supermarket. Those are intended to be discounted uh, for card carrying. Uh, uh, it's, it's designated as women and infant children, but it's a government subsidized food marker. So please leave WIC food alone. If that's the only thing that's on a shelf, and you don't fall into that uh, category and that vulnerable community, please leave it on the shelf.
1: How are you handling quarantine? There are much bigger problems going on in this world right now than us being bored, but that's something that a lot of us are are dealing with right now in isolation and quarantine. What are you doing besides cooking? Have you discovered any new TV shows, artists, songs, albums?
2: No, I think you're, I think you're, you're very much culturally and socially appropriate. I think, I think being bored is, is, is a very, very important issue that needs to be talked about more often. Uh, we may be on quarantine for another, uh, three or four weeks, um, here in Minnesota. Um, if our, uh, I think our governor has done a great job. I think we should be inside and quarantined early and stay there. Um, it may flatten the curve in Minnesota and allow us to save human lives um, and be able to assist some of our brothers and sisters in other states. But, you know, we do have basic human needs. Uh, certainty is one of them, and these are very uncertain, ambiguous times. So we have to make sure that from a mental health standpoint, we are finding ways to keep ourselves entertained, which speaks to boredom, uh, variety, significance, love and connection. Uh, growth, contribution, all of those basic human needs are diminished uh, when you feel uh, trapped or constricted. And if you're bored and become apathetic, it becomes even worse. So getting people to do things is something that is of vital, vital importance. There are so many great websites. You can literally, uh, Google, you know, I'm, I'm at home and bored or (laughs) C19 boredom and incredible things come up. Get on YouTube. There are people doing incredible, incredible things. I saw someone, uh, made a, uh, was teaching people how to make a homemade recorder, uh, out of a, uh, (laughs) um, uh, paper toweling tube, right? Um, so you could you could play a musical instrument there's a lot of artsy crafty stuff super super inexpensive that you can order for delivery from Amazon uh that i think would change the way adults are thinking about quarantine um, i have a friend who uh said to me the other day uh we should all treat this like like you know a uh, rainy day at camp when you were kids i used to hate rainy day at camp uh, because they would make us sit in what was the food hall and do all kinds of activities. And, cause if they let kids run out in the rain, then the counselors have to go out there, it spreads the staff thin, uh, it's difficult, more accidents in the rain when kids are running around. But it reminded me of how much fun actual arts and crafts were. So, you know, I actually, I got a, uh, a thing on Amazon, the popsicle sticks and the Elmer's glue and the whole thing and started building uh a village my my son who loves minecraft would be very proud of me uh i've got a whole (laughs) world going of popsicle sticks and glue um and that was good for an afternoon and we really do have to play this one day at a time the other thing that i would encourage people is social connection you should be talking to 10 people a day facetime zoom skype we have so many tech tools at our disposal um Zoom is free, you know, you're, you know, all of our phones come with a, uh, a, a FaceTime call feature, uh, regardless of what carrier you're with, um, or what brand of uh, phone you have. Human connection is so, so, so vital.
0: Uh, Andrew, I, I wanted to circle back and just reiterate on your point. I used to work at a grocery store, and the WIC point is is very important. So just what you said before about avoiding those foods that are labeled WIC is uh, is kind of an, an important deal. So just wanted to reiterate that. I wanted well, to know.
2: What, let go, me, let me just add one thing to that. Um, anyone who has the ability, financial ability, uh, time uh, ability, And equipment in their house to cook fresh produce should be only buying fresh produce and processing it. Only. Um, I bought pounds and pounds of spinach, flashed it in a pan, squeezed a little dry, and froze it myself in Ziploc bags. And the reason that I did that was I don't need to buy frozen spinach and put it in my freezer because there are people on SNAP and other government assistance programs that are able to buy that center of the supermarket, uh, frozen vegetable, right? Yeah. Um, it is, it is convenience foods, right? Everyone who can afford to not use them should not be using them. Let those foods be there for the people who, for, for whom that is the only choice. There are families in Minnesota, a shockingly large percentage that don't have a functioning oven. They're, they're working on a hot plate and, uh, Uh, microwave oven so please 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 buy fresh produce the fresh produce gets thrown out of our supermarkets when it starts to look dim i am shocked at how many canned foods are off the shelves in our markets and yet the produce department is overflowing buy the produce now is the time to be eating that produce you have time at home to cook do it
0: and and just as an overall message, I mean, thinking about how things impact other people is kind of like, you should always be doing that, even sans virus but i feel like if there's ever an opportunity to to really focus on that Uh, i did want to because everything in our world right now is just impacted by this and i i wanted to know how uh the lack of sports is hitting you andrew i mean this would have been such a great such a great time for people to go to i think you you have a stand at target field is that right so like or at least your name is on one
2: no, bit, I do, and I'm a massive sports fan. And we have we have Andrew Zimmern canteens in in several stadiums, and I have partnerships and and business relationships with many of those companies and stadiums. Uh, apart from that brand as well, um, and and plus, I, I just this is one of the best times of the year for sports. I mean, this was the time when you know, I mean, March Madness baseball season spring training, uh the uh you know, uh, hockey playoffs, uh basketball playoffs would be starting. So although now the basketball season, I think playoffs are in July. It's just absurd. Um slight knocks, the NBA, let's <laughs> let's play less games. Um but the it is it is a phenomenal time of year to be a sports fan. And as a Minnesotan sports fan, I mean these are the days I mean, what is it, like 60 degrees out again today? Mm-hmm. I mean, yesterday and today, you know, it's like, and I see, pe- I'm glad people are outside and exercising and practicing social distancing. But these were the days where you, you know, call up your buddies in the neighborhood and just get the mitts and a ball and go out and play catch. I mean, it is, it's a very, very difficult time uh, for everyone. And we're running out of things to watch on Amazon and Netflix. I don't know about other people. <laughs> But it's like I after the weekend, you know. During the week, there's Zooming. You know, I've got work stuff going on. The weekend, I literally crushed like 30 hours of. I could not believe how much stuff I was able to power through. And now I'm sitting there with like, you know, oh, you know, season four of The Flintstones. I mean, I'm, scraping, <laughs> I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, I did. I did Tiger King and the whole first uh, and the whole third season of Ozark. Uh, you know, in, in one day. I mean, I, I you know, come on people.
1: Andrew, I want, I want to, and we're going to get into what you're doing and what we all can do to help local restaurants and local business here in just a second, but I'm going to pass on a recommendation to you that my co-host, Matthew Collar, passed on to me. If you haven't already burned through this, you might have because everybody has burned all the way through Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu. Have you seen Cheer, the documentary series about the top cheerleading program in the country?
2: I have, and it's fantastic. So I'm a so good, documentary so freak. Good. So good. And I was going to, had you pivoted into uh, what's there to watch, I was going to tell people, go to your Netflix homepage, scroll down through all those categories that you've already read through and click on documentaries mm-hmm. and just start watching documentary after documentary after documentary. What, what used to be, many of us think of documentaries as the sort of like, you know, narrative uh, news-style, 1980s, informational, uh, uh, you know, 90-minute uh, s- snooze fest, quite <laughs> frankly, um, that is the exact opposite of what documentaries have become. The most exciting TV right now is being made in doc style. The storytelling, because really, really incredible makers, you know, we have a group here at Intuitive Content, my production company, this coming Sunday – our four-part true crime uh, doc called "How to Solve a Murder" um, is uh, airing again on Reels. Uh, all four hours of it—it's a—it's just these are incredible stories that are told so well. It feels like you're watching a movie that you don't want to end that doesn't end because it goes on for hours. Uh, and so documentaries are great. I'm addicted to movie documentaries. So everything from the Joan Jet you know one to the david crosby remember my name to i mean you you name it i've seen it i'm i can't get enough of it
0: i've watched cheer and there's a keith richards one and there's an Allen iverson one so i i am totally on with you and i watched back hoop dreams for the first time in a really long time so i am the the, i'm like uh quarantining and watching documentaries right there with you andrew (laughs) that's
1: Right. Talking with Chef Ryder, TV host, you may know him from Bizarre Foods, Andrew Zimmern here on Score North Live. And you may have seen him standing a safe distance away from Governor Walls when he held his first press conference on coronavirus and the, the actions that were taken here in the state of Minnesota and the Twin Cities to flatten the curve and stop the spread of all this. And obviously, as a longtime chef, and I, I know you have restaurants, Andrew, that's, that's a subject that, that hits home for you, what this is doing to local restaurants, and small businesses in our community, can you can you put in some kind of perspective perspective for the rest of us who never worked in the restaurant industry and certainly have never owned a restaurant? What something like this does to a business like that when they when they're basically put out of commission, other than carry out and delivery for for an extended period of time?
2: Well, carry out and delivery doesn't even begin to pay the bills. Um, what restaurateurs and food groups? And makers in the food space are doing with carry out and delivery is uh, they are creating a uh, self supplying charity system for their employees. In other words, if you can execute carry out and delivery in your space, you can employ three, four, five, six folks, right, uh, and thereby put a paycheck into their family system and keep a smaller. But, you know, every human being counts, right? Um, it's just four or five more people employed who aren't on public assistance. It's four or five more families impacted by a paycheck coming in. It's vendors in the supply chain receiving uh, some of those uh, dollars. Um, so, and it's customers being able to benefit from um, uh, being able to. to Support a local business and also maybe fight some food boredom of their own. Um, so it's really, really, really important, but it's a drop in the bucket. It doesn't solve the problem. I'd like to go up a thousand feet above sea level. People have to, for, have to remember the restaurant community, just restaurants, okay, underscore just restaurants are a trillion dollar plus industry with over 15 million employees in them that represents over four percent of the gdp of the united states of america the only employer in america larger than the restaurant community is the pentagon and defense department that's the only one there's nothing else that's bigger let me put it into bigger perspective for you when you add in all the people in the supply chain and you add in hotel and leisure activity. So it's like the bowling alley that has a little food adjacent thing. They maybe have some pizza and some, you know, microwave burgers and hotels have restaurants. You add those in, it's multi trillions of dollars and it's 50 million, five zero employees. Now, those industries all pay on average about 20 percent in taxes. And for every dollar that comes into them, let's just say restaurants, about a dollar ninety nine goes back out the door. Right? In terms of economic stimulus, right? So what you're seeing when restaurants go away is the one of one of the two single most important economic drivers in our country. Now let's talk about those employees that are out of work, right? Restaurants are still the number one employer of single mothers in America, the number one employer of uh, first-time job seekers, the number one employer of returning citizens, people coming out of jails and institutions, for whom a job means a roof over their head, money in their pockets, and therefore aids in preventing recidivism, which keeps our neighborhoods and our families and everyone safer and gives those people a chance to rejoin society. So... The small snapshot is that the, the restaurants community that everyone thinks of as either a bunch of big chains that are making money or a bunch of fancy pants people eating off white tablecloths is actually neither. That yeah. represents a very small piece of that puzzle. The average restaurant is an independent neighborhood restaurant that you love that has 40 or 50 seats and is single operator owned. Um, The reason why it's so vital, and I would like everyone to go to www.saverestaurants.com, www.saverestaurants.com, and look at what the Independent Restaurant Coalition, a group that I was part of many people, 60 or 70 of us who co-founded this group, to fight on Capitol Hill in Washington to make sure that restaurants are not left behind, is because not only is it too too massive a piece of our economy to let fail, but this is the majority of our friends and fellows and loved ones who work in them and the most vital cultural totem that we have. Take away math and music, you're going to get punched in the nose. Take away bread and rice, that's the stuff revolutions are made of. Blood is running in the streets, historically, when that happens. So I worry, and I'm not trying to be alarmist, but I worry as we move downstream if we're not taking care of our farmers in these bailouts, if we're not taking care of our food supply chain, if we're not protecting the documented and undocumented workers who are the ones who are in our meat factories, chicken factories, fishing boats, crab houses, fields and farms, processing all this food, a topic that we laid out very niftily for people in several episodes of my MSNBC series, What's Eating America? If we're not careful, if that supply chain hiccups, you are going to find vulnerable populations. I'm talking about massive numbers of people, nearing a hundred million, if not more, uh, because so many people are living check to check in America who, uh, might become, uh, who might be living in neighborhoods where social unrest occurs. Um, it is a very, very, very disturbing thing for me and something that a lot of us are working very hard uh, with city, state, and uh, the federal government to make sure that our our elected officials and our uh, career service people in government are well aware of why restaurants and the food supply chain is of vital importance. Um, I've been waiting for years for, you know, a uh, domestic or international terrorist activity involving food because we consume it so quickly and so readily. Um, it comes to us all the time uh, with such speed through this system that by the time you catch something, um, it's oftentimes too late. Um, and again, not trying to be alarmist. My, my underlining of this is just to let people know that our food system is something that affects all of us so many times a day, and we've taken it for granted for, for too long. And I hope, that With all of this disastrous pandemic, um, that what gets rebuilt is a safer, more secure, and most importantly, a more equitable system for all Americans. The great Minnesotan, Paul Wellstone, often said on the campaign trail, we all win when we all win. And we have to make sure that uh, food equity is part of that equation.
1: Andrew, we're up against a break. My producer is losing his mind. Real quickly, what was that website again?
2: www Dot
1: save That's Andrew Zimmern, TV host, writer, chef. Go and check out his top 25 recipes going on right now at his Facebook page. Andrew, I, I watch a lot of cooking shows and food TV, and I have a few favorite celebrity chefs, and uh, it's you, Guy Fieri, and Jose Andres, and not because of what you do on TV, but because whenever disaster strikes, you guys are there, on the ground, providing people with things that they need, providing them with food, shelter, water, helping out small businesses and local restaurants, and that's a lot more than, than any TV show that you could ever do. And on a lighter note, uh, Bizarre Foods was one of the few shows that my dad and I would actually sit down and watch together. So that also holds a special place for me. Appreciate the time. You're welcome here anytime just to spit hot sports takes or to uh, support local restaurants and businesses. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Let's get
2: it all up and running. Thank you. You guys
1: take it easy that's andrew Zimmern, chef writer tv host and minnesotan you heard how you can help go and help in these times where a lot of us need help if you have anything you can spare time money whatever the case might be let's all help each other out and get through this together we'll get back to some sports talk right after this something we've all been calling for is happening and we have espn and 30 for 30 to thank for it right after this it's score north live 1500 score north